Hey everyone, it's MJ. I'm recording this on my attached mic to my laptop, so that's why it sounds a little bit different. It's not the normal mic we use. This episode is about Solo, a Star Wars story. It's uh, a little truncated because we had some problems with the audio. I did the best I could. There's going to be some jumps in time. We had a lot of audio dropping out on this episode for some reason. I don't know why, but I think I fixed it for the next episode. But it made basically the back half of it completely unlistenable, which was we kind of flipped the format this this episode and we recorded the the sort of macro level discussion at the end and we did our solo review up front. It ended up being sort of a blessing in disguise because you will get to hear us do a solo review. Like I said, there's still some drops in there, but I tried to smash it together to make as much sense as possible. But there's still some abrupt stuff that happens in there. Just bear with it. I'm sorry. It's better than uh, getting you guys nothing this week. Plus, you don't pay for it. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is our very truncated review of Solo, and it's going to kind of just stop and head into our plugs at the end. So, enjoy! everyone welcome back to real perspective the youtube nope the podcast based on a youtube channel based on a uh, podcast uh as always i'm your co-host mj smith and i'm michael morey and we are here to talk about solo which is the fourth one of these disney star wars things and like ninth movie overall something like that mm-hmm. is it nine no ten ten yeah this is the tenth one yeah because there's eight move saga movies and two spinoffs right you are correct yep. um so it We've gotten a Star War every year since, what, 2015 now? Yep. Um, because Disney acquired Lucasfilm, and they are telling um, both a new saga uh, kind of revolving, at least tangentially, around the, quote, original three um, that's, like, very connected to the original trilogy and the prequels and the Skywalkers and all that. Um, and then uh, on the years we're not getting those, we're getting these sort of side stories that are still connected, but, um, you know, one of them was Rogue One, which was the story of how uh, the the rebellion ended up with the plans that led them to defeating the first Death Star. And now we have the second one, which is called Solo, a Star Wars story. It is about a young Han Solo played by Alden Ehrenreich, <laughs> I believe is how you pronounce his name. And uh, it's kind of just like how he became Han Solo and met Chuby, Chewy, Chuby, Chuby Baka. <laughs> That's C H E W B period <laughs> space B A C C A. Um, how he met, I went to say Chewy and Chewbacca all at the same time. How he met Chewbacca, how he met Lando, how he got the Falcon, how he got his dice. Uh, and that, like, that's kind of it. Yeah, that, that, that's the that's the plot of the movie. More or less. Um, 
So there were some production woes uh, in that Christopher Lord uh, and no. Yeah. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Right. Do I have that right? Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller, the directing (laughs) duo behind the 21 Jump Street movies and the Lego movie and the producers of um, Last Man on Earth were originally attached to the movie and filmed most of it. Um, And then they were fired by the studio because there were too many ad libs and they thought it was a little too jokey. So they brought Ron Howard in to sort of um, kind of shepherd it over the line to kind of hit this May Memorial Day traditional Star Wars release date. Um, So the movie is... I don't know how much of a hodgepodge it is. It felt very much like one guy. <laughs> I think 70% of it is Ron Howard. Yeah. Like I said. He, cause he came and did some additional shooting on it. They, they were fired with three weeks left on shooting. Ron Howard mm-hmm. shot for a little bit longer than three weeks. I think it was a couple months. Um, and then they got it over the line to what we have now. Um, and then I'm sure, I, I don't know if there were any rewrites involved with that. Um, I think they brought Ron Howard in specifically to make him adhere closer to the script that was already there. Um, so, Mike, what did you think about Solo, A Star Wars Story? You know, noting the production history, I don't feel like you watch the end product and real and see any sort of signs that there were problems behind the scenes. There are only like two yeah so um from that standpoint it's not as much of a mess as it could have been justice league right justice league (laughs) or suicide Suicide squad Squad. um that being said the movie that they did make is very mediocre yeah um it's the first disposable star wars movie yes as in it feels completely inessential to any sort of viewing order or anything like that i really have no care to see it again yeah um, there's not much deeper behind it. And not to say that Star Wars is deep or anything like that, but you won't glean anything from watching it again, I feel like. Uh, and I don't really feel like it had anything to say. Um, it just felt like a list of Han Solo factoids being checked off in sequential order. Yeah, man, this movie's really boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's so That's boring. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> uh, I went to a 925 showing, and it's about 35 minutes longer than it should be and this crap is two hours and 15 minutes somehow Mm -hmm. and i was just like come on let's get to the end of this thing man and it's not is it bad not really is it good no No. also yeah (laughs) um it's like it's like quote unquote fine it's the first movie i think i've ever seen that is object driven and i don't mean that it is there's a MacGuffin at the center of it obviously i've seen those types of movies what i mean is that the entire characterization and story of han solo is based on him acquiring items you are familiar with han solo having and being in possession of correct that's the plot of the movie Mm -hmm. and it's i don't understand why I don't understand how, like how they, I mean, it's Jake and Lawrence Kasdan, right? These are, mm-hmm. they are well-versed in Star Wars and this is the script they decided to make. I really, it was kind of baffling. Yep. It's, the problem is it's boring. So it's not so bad that it's bananas and you have to see it, but it's not so fun and good that you have to go see it either. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of. It, like you said, it's disposable. It's yeah. just it, it, like, it's a movie. Right. 
and I felt nothing about it after. I didn't. I'm, I'm actually forgetting details about it. Like the further away we get yeah. from it, the more I forget. Right. Yeah. Like I, I was wondering if that was like a a, a thing. Uh, basically, <laughs> I had kind of an intense weekend, so I was wondering if I was just like jettisoning, jettisoning. <laughs> my brain as it was happening there was like a point midway through where i thought i was enjoying it and then about i don't know 20 minutes after that i was like no i'm not enjoying this anymore so i but going back to the boring point i think that that is attributable to the fact that the script goes and the story itself goes and starts itself and then ends and then starts itself again and then ends and then starts itself again multiple times Mm. without getting like too plot heavy into this um and synopsis heavy you got the initial part where he's on Corellia mm-hmm. and he's a little street urchin, all that stuff. Then the movie like skips forward ahead a couple years and then he's like an Imperial officer and he goes and joins Tom- Tobias Beckett's crew of scoundrels and they go and do like a train heist. Then the movie goes and restarts again and they go and botch that and have to go and get new shit from the to get the hyperfuel to go and right. talk so, to the bad so guy. So the, the train heist was put into motion by this guy named Dryden Voss who works right. for this crime syndicate. And that's who they were supposed to be stealing this hyperfuel for. They botched it. Dryden is a... Uh, 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 he's got a short temper. Right. Um, and so he basically makes a deal with them to go and get unrefined hyperfuel from Kessel, mm-hmm. uh, which should be a familiar term to anyone who's seen New Hope, um, and bring it back to him. And then... So so that happens. But that happens at like the hour mark. You yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. That's it's the like second way through. Yeah. And it finally introduced kind of the main plot, right. which is bizarre because you're already halfway done with the movie, which right. makes it feel like the other stuff was inconsequential, like Thandie Newton, Newton's character uh, and John oh, Favreau's. Man. That's the character. most frustrating part of that. Like, entire they both movie. die, and so like it was. Why did I even learn about these people? Yeah, because they drop them. Also, they're the most interesting characters yeah, in the whole exactly. movie. Exactly. I would much rather have just like the Thomas Beckett Rio, right? Them just pulling off cool hunts, like stunts and heists yeah. and stuff. And the train part is the best action scene in the whole movie, it's as far as I'm concerned. It's pretty dope. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but then the movie restarts again because they meet Dryden Voss. They actually meet the bad guy halfway through the film. Right. And they restate the objectives and kind of introduce Han Solo's girlfriend, who he left behind. Right. Um, and she's back in the mix. Then it kind of restarts again where they meet Lando, yeah. in a way. And then they go and take the stuff. And then it leads to a chase. And then it like <clears> kind of <throat> leads to some Maltese Falcon-esque people double crossing and triple crossing each other thing right and then and then it like it, it kind of ends weirdly it, like it just goes and sets up sequel bait for 20 minutes yeah and like all the air gets like let out yeah. of the movie at that point yeah so you started the movie like four or five times over it felt like yeah so and i didn't even get like a good perception of when the climax of the movie was happening mm. until like after it was done right so that's the reason why i felt like it was born the script yeah yeah, it's yeah, it's got a weird structure. It's got like I don't know, man. It's just like I said, it's just a or like you said, it's just a list of stuff mm-hmm. being checked off or like I said, it's just completely object driven. It's yeah. like, okay, we got to get Han to get the dice. Okay? Here's how he got the dice. Mm-hmm. What he has them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um here's how he got his name. Yeah. Which oh So man. that's one of the two things that feels like a Lord and Miller pulled over that feels like it was supposed to be a joke yeah and then ron howard made it for real times i can kind of see that like they play it straight yeah but it's so groan worthy yeah it's awful which is why i think it was like Uh, i think lord and miller would have made it great yeah they would have made that funny i agree and so it feels like that 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that fe- that's the one thing that feels like that. And there's one other thing that feels like it was supposed to be, it was a holdover from Lord and Miller. I don't remember what it was now. I got the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And like, this is how they did the Kessel run. You know, yeah. It's just like all these throwaway lines from the OT, the original trilogy. Right. And they decided to make them in the plot points. Which is fine, I guess. Like the, I was actually kind of fine with it being the Kessel run. It didn't need to be, but mm-hmm. I, eh. If you're going to take something that's like really part of Han's backstory that we know of, specifically in the canon of the movies now, admittedly, I'm not super familiar with any of the backstory that was presented in the extended universe that Disney kind of threw out when they took over. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, my understanding is that there it was kind of light uh, to begin with. So yeah. there's not a lot that you can quote unquote ruin the character with mm-hmm. by filling in his backstory. So I'm actually kind of fine with it being the Castle Run. It's just all kind of boring. Right. Well, here's my problem with it, though. I don't like how all the things that made Han Solo Han Solo, like, happened to him in a week. Yeah. I really hate that prequel trend of, yeah, everything about this dude was formed in, like, five seconds. Yeah. And, and the rest of, like, his life beforehand or after didn't really matter. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I really even don't like that scene in Indiana Jones 3 where he goes and, like, gets his hat or something like that for the first time. Oh, where he gets time. the whip and he gets on the, the circus whip. train. Yeah. And, and he gets hat, the scar. And he gets the scar. <laughs> and it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of a nitpick aside. Um. So at the core of this is Alden Ehrenreich, who was there was rumors of Disney hiring an acting coach mm. uh, because they didn't like his performance. And then the trailers hit and fans were kind of on the fence about him. Mm. Um, well, it also kind of felt like the marketing was trying to hide him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that may have had something to do with the rumors. I, do you know if those rumors were true? Because it kind of seemed like one site kind of reported it and that no one had really ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of people ran with it. I haven't heard anything to contradict it. Yeah, I haven't yeah. either. But I also haven't, I don't know. All, everything that sources back to where it came from was mm-hmm. like, where, okay, this this original source is a little shaky at best. Yeah. So I think I, I saw it in Variety, though, too. Okay. But, I mean, maybe there's, you know, regurgitating what they've already heard from other people. Right. So what did you think of Alden Aaron Reich as Han. It's hard to say. He's not outright terrible. Yeah. Um, there's moments where I actually kind of see a glimmer of Harrison Ford in him. Yeah. Uh, like the way he would say something or like shout something. Yeah. Um, but he also kind of left no impact on me. Either. Yeah. 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 So I, he's he's ultimately kind of of a failure. I feel like because he made no impression by the end yeah. of it. Yeah, he's not quite the disaster I expected from the trailers. Yeah. Because he was pretty bad in the trailers. Yeah. And those scenes are still pretty bad. But I, I think that he was he was fine. Mm-hmm. Like everything else in this movie, he was fine yeah. overall. Um, like it wouldn't be... Ups- I'd be upset if they did a sequel, but if he was back, I wouldn't be upset about that, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> um, and we got kind of two... Right, so there, there are two kind of different interpretations of iconic characters in this movie there's the donald glover kind of full-on impression yeah and then the alden ehrenreich kind of uh let me see what i can do with this before he's the guy we know right um so what did you think of donald glover as lando i liked him a little bit more um than than ehrenreich um there was a time where i kind of felt like he was almost doing a parody of lando (laughs) sure it was like almost was too much Mm mm-hmm but like the movie kind of livened up a little bit when he was around, which yeah. I appreciated because it was more just a satiating my boredom, yeah, <laughs> a little bit less than maybe the performance itself. Um, 
So I was fine with him. Yeah, I didn't really have any strong feelings about him either way yeah. either. He was I like him. Right. So there's like a base level of like liking him more. I like Alden Ehrenreich because I, the only other thing I've seen him in is Hail Caesar and mm. I think he's really really freaking funny in that movie. Yeah. Um so you know, based on the one thing I've seen him in, I kind of base level like him. Just mm-hmm. kind of headed into this. Headed into Donald Glover. I'm actually a pretty big fan of everything he's done. His stand-up, his work on Community, his work on 30 Rock, his music. I like all of that. So he had a lot of goodwill with me going yeah, yeah. into the movie. Um, and I think his Lando is serviceable. Um, I don't really want to... He's not interesting enough to really make me want the Lando movie no. that people are talking about. Well, they don't really give him much to work with. Yeah, he's just kind of pretentious and that's it. Like, yeah. that's his character. and I, Which is fine because he kind of is. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny. Yeah. But it it ultimately isn't... He's not really a character. Yeah, he doesn't have really a discernible arc. Yeah. He's in the movie for maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. He's not even in it that long. Yeah. He does get what I think is the best joke in the movie, though. Which is... Which is when Han is like, there's, you know, 30 mercenaries on that ship over oh, there and then right. he just leaves yeah. <laughs> i was like that's that, a good joke no, like that's a good, good. gag yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it, so of the like of the original of the of the characters that aren't unique to solo mm-hmm. i actually liked chewbacca a lot in this movie actually true was really cool and it demonstrates how they've kind of un- have underutilized him in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. um because they made him do different things yeah, rather than just be some weird sidekick and that's it. You know what? I'll push back on that a little bit. I really like his moment after Han dies in Force Awakens as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, that's fair. The the Wookiee rage part. That's right. actually probably my favorite part of Force Awakens is, mm-hmm. is uh, Chewie going ham on those guys after yeah. he sees Han die. Um, and I think, like, I'm actually, like, I don't want, like, the Chewbacca origin story because this was kind of it. And also, I don't want to read a <laughs> Star Wars movie. But, like, this new guy, I don't remember his name, the new Chewbacca guy, the new actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy's really good, man. Like, mm-hmm. he he really gives Chewie a character. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot. Like, he's got a really defined personality and mm-hmm. and, like... He doesn't have like an arc necessarily he kind of does kind of does actually. yeah um i don't know they give him an interesting enough backstory and like his intro is pretty cool i like that you know he's he's a prisoner and he's sort of this creature that the imperials don't really understand mm-hmm. and and his uh, intro to the movie is pretty good yeah yeah um and we see him like mangy like i liked seeing that just because yeah. i've never seen like a mangy wookie before mm-hmm. um i don't know they do some really interesting stuff with chewbacca in this movie yeah. that was weirdly ultimately my favorite stuff besides beckett's crew of like the john favreau rio character and mm-hmm. tandy newton's character yeah um woody's good in it he's yeah, always good. yeah he's always good in everything although i have to say i'm kind of sick of seeing him in things okay there's a little too much like cross-pollination between other franchises like i've seen him in hunger games already at oh, the time mm. and then you've got um crap dryden voss's uh, actor bettany bettany paul bettany paul bettany where i just saw him like a month ago in <laughs> yeah vision and part of the things i like about star wars is it's kind of these lesser so he people. wasn't originally the villain right it was a different no it was, it was a different guy yeah, yeah. it's a guy from the wire um, yeah you yeah, couldn't yeah. come back for the reshoots. Ra- the reshoots with howard um so but that's like just to go and say that 
I don't like all this cross pollination because I like Star Wars kind of being this thing where I don't recognize everybody in the yeah, brother. Which is probably the strength of Alden Ehrenreich in the thing. Yes. He's got essentially one other major credit to uh-huh. his name that I, not a lot of people saw. Mm-hmm. It's a Coen Brothers movie that's like really esoteric. Right? Yes, right. Um, um, but but no, he's good in it. Um, Dandy Newton's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I was really disappointed when that crew kind of bites it. A lot of that, them. that was yeah. Um, I feel like some feels like the movie loses a lot of narrative momentum and heart. Yeah. And um, then we get introduced to like a whole new group of people where it just kind of feels like, why did we just spend time with those other people? Yeah. We're just going to be disposed of. And then we go and get introduced to Lando's sassy bot. Yeah. What? Uh, that was, that's probably like one of the weakest mo- that's what, of the That's movie. the other one. I felt like she was supposed to be like a Lord and Miller joke. Mm-hmm. And then like Howard doesn't really know how to convert that. And right. so he was just like, I don't know, play it a little serious, I guess. But it like, it didn't fit. She was like kind of annoying. Yeah. But, like, and I feel like she was supposed to be, but it didn't really, like... Yeah, but, like, the characters treat her as annoying, but <clears throat> right. it's not, like, funny annoying. Right. Like, the the movie doesn't necessarily endorse her, but it doesn't, like, play her annoyingness off as funny enough to yeah. be comedy. It's She's in a really weird spot. Yeah. And I think there's a spot where that character can work in the Lord Miller version. Right. Um, but it just doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like it's saying anything. Like, because, like, she's, like, social justice warrior droid, obviously. Right. But, like... There's no it that just is like it's just it just is. Yeah. It's not using it to like either say like hey we should care about this or hey like let's kind of yeah, yeah like let's make this a parody of this. It doesn't re- it just kind of is a thing mm-hmm. and like it that doesn't really work because it's like okay but why? There's just bland dry tone throughout the whole piece mm-hmm. and it just permeates every aspect. Yeah, and like a lot of the jokes. I could see how they're well written, maybe, mm. but then they fall flat in, yeah. the, in the delivery of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't like getting introduced this new crew of people really that much. Yeah, either. like Lando and Kira. Yeah. And I mean, Kira's okay. Leet. I was actually um, okay with her. Yeah, she was part, fine. But I felt like they were lesser versions of people we just got introduced yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, I actually thought that Amelia Clark did a, a decent job because I was actually expecting worse of her based yeah. off her reputation in yeah. Game of Thrones. I know some people really like her in it, but kind of like the hardcore reaction to her is that she's actually kind of a bad actress. Yeah, so um, I've only seen her in Terminator Genesis. Yeah. So if yeah. anything's a step up from that. Right. It's an ugly movie? Yes. It's really dark. It's and very like, dark and gray and brown. Yeah. And there's a part of me that kind of like thought that was interesting, but then... It's the same color palette throughout. Yeah. And it got a little exhausting to yeah, look at. Yeah, it's really tiring and really hard to see. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm okay with like the underlit a little bit because I think Rogue One kind of underlit its scenes a lot mm-hmm. and it gave them a nice distinctive gritty flavor. The scenes on the Corellia in the beginning, some of them were way too dark. Yeah. It was hard to make things out even, yeah. which was weird. Yeah. Um, and I don't really feel like in general it had that great of a visual identity i don't feel like it really contributed that much in terms of great iconography yeah um or memorable like there's stuff. some good shots uh yes there the shot on the train of woody like going over the like uh the 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 lid yeah. to the train or whatever and uh, like pulling it up like that's really cool and like the camera kind of follows it when it's on its side yeah. at various points that's the best directed and shot sequence of the film yeah and it's probably mostly cg yeah <laughs> but that was at least like visually interesting yeah um, but the rest of it, there's just like lots of browns and oranges. And yeah. It just kind of gets samey after a while. Yeah. And it's washed out. Um, 
to me, I think the part that really killed the movie for me, because I was digging it around the train scene, actually, mm-hmm. um, is when they go and introduce Dryden Voss, and then, like, they really kick the real plot into motion. Right. Um, but... Like the last 20 minutes where the guys who've been chasing them thus far, because they're competing to go and get this oh, hyper yeah, fuel, yeah, yeah. right? Risa Fons or right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> What's, what in, was in, this? Nest, yeah. Which sounds like a disease, <laughs> like, like hives or something. But um, anyway, um, Infus Nest goes and traps or corners them. And despite the fact that like they've been dicks the entire movie, then it's revealed that they're actually like good guys who are trying to supply the rebellion with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, like digitally de-aged Maya Rudolph is there and uh, <laughs> she's like the leader. She is right. she's infant nanny. What is it? Infus Infus Nest. Yeah. I'm never gonna remember that. I forgot that name four times during the movie. This movie did not have good Star Wars names. <laughs> no, it did like, not. Like you know that there's iconographic or iconic Star Wars names. Right. This is not it doesn't contribute any of them. Tobias uh, Beckett, meh. Therm Scissor Punch, sir. Oh yeah. Okay, Therm Scissor Punch is pretty dumb. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie about that. But okay, Infus Nest shows up. <clears throat> and then it starts talking about like you should join the rebellion, and we're doing all this sort of stuff. And it starts sequel bait dropping yeah. stuff. Then, and then Kira goes and talks to Darth Maul, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also want to get back to Infus Nest for one sec, which is the way the camera lingers on her being a woman when she goes and takes off that mask, because mm-hmm. it's almost like it just lingers. Like, oh, aren't you surprised? It's not a dude; it's a woman. It's like, yeah, I watched Star Wars. I saw this exact same thing happen being hey here's this strong woman right well like it it didn't code her enough as a guy right for it to matter (laughs) for it to matter either way so but like it feels like it's kind of just a little pompous or proud of itself like oh really this person was a woman and you thought was gonna be a dude and but star wars has always been doing that like princess leia also goes and kicks ass like that's why i don't get about some of i don't want to get the social justice-y stuff but like this idea that oh now Star Wars needs to change and like have badass women to me like they've always been badass in these movies yeah. so like you're not doing anything new or different when you go and do this right. but anyway that's kind of my stump for that a little bit um I didn't really care either way I yeah she, I, but she's a nothing character right you know yeah, I mean? yeah 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 um so I didn't care about her either way so she's kind of was nonsensical in terms of why would, why was she like kind of such a jackass initially like why didn't they just kind of have a talk or a powwow earlier if they could all kind of get along but besides that then you have like the stuff with kira and the fact that she's working for darth maul who's leading this criminal organization and i'm sorry man the darth maul thing you want to get started no (laughs) wrong um so yeah the whole movie like darth maul's in this movie man um so darth maul is the iconic episode one villain who get got chopped in half and <laughs> fell down an endless freaking shaft and is alive with robo legs and um so now this is a criminal is, organization it, i'm not saying it's not the fault of the movie yeah but this is something that has happened before this is yeah. something that happened in the extended universe in the clone wars cartoon yeah so this isn't the first time darth maul has survived being chopped in half and falling down <laughs> an endless shaft yeah, it was real stupid. Yeah. It's so dumb. So, first of all, let's just talk about the base idea, which is that he survived that. <laughs> which is yeah. dumb. Okay? Yeah. It's dumb. But, okay, they resurrect him and they put him in a kid's cartoon 
and they deal with him there because eventually he gets killed in Rebels. Okay, so they close off his arc. Mm-hmm. Then they go and introduce that crap in a mainline movie, which yeah. seems destined to go and confuse the hell out of people. Uh, it did. Yeah. My wife, who thought that this movie, she was like, wait a minute. Why what? isn't Han old as hell in A New Hope? Yeah. Because she thought this movie took place before Phantom Menace. She did not even realize that this is a chopped in half robo leg version of Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge issue. Yeah. And it goes and demonstrates to me that it's the worst kind of fan service, which is... The oh, kind nobody asked for? Right. <laughs> like, oh, what do people like? They like Darth Maul. Yeah, we'll go and put him in this movie. And they think that that's going to be what satisfies fans... And like maybe this is their way of like making up for how they treated some legacy characters in the last movie. Is like, oh, we're gonna throw them a bone. They like this character, and we'll bring him back and set up a cinematic universe with this guy. Yeah, it felt like the MCUing of the Star Wars universe. Yes, of he's not there mm-hmm. to be in a solo sequel. Mm-hmm. He's there to be in the Obi Wan movie, right? Um, but. MCU, at least, they contain all that crap to the movies. You know, there's mm-hmm. a TV series that goes on, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, so right. None of that really affects the movies at all. It's the movies right. that affect the TV shows, maybe. But the fact that you're going to have to now pay attention to like, a kid's cartoon yeah. to go and follow along with Darth Maul being alive is a giant mistake. A well, giant narrative mistake. But here's the thing is, like, isn't he even different in the cartoon like doesn't yeah. he have like spider legs in the cartoon he had spider legs for a little while and then he had robo like just regular kind of bipedal robo legs oh okay I, yeah but around that time period um he starts getting really embittered and like is kind of worthless mm-hmm. like at that point in time but then this movie is portraying him as like he's a badass in charge of a criminal organization which i also don't get like why i don't understand why darth maul would be in charge of a bunch of criminals i kind of like the idea on paper of like a disgraced sith lord like Mm -hmm. someone who kind of fell from grace from the sith order and is kind of reduced to being a two-bit criminal Mm -hmm. i don't like the idea of it being darth maul because the way he fell from grace was getting chopped in half and falling down a bottomless pit yeah uh Um. so on like there's a lot of stuff on paper that is actually like decent ideas Mm -hmm. Um, like I like I said, I like the idea of disgraced Sith Lord being like the real guy pulling the strings. Yeah. And I actually would like that characterization more if he was working against the Empire. Yes. You know, if it was this sort of but he's working for them. Yeah. So <laughs> it's even doubly confusing there yeah. then. So cause I, I like the idea of like, oh well, uh uh Infinity Stones is working for the rebellion, and then you have what's Infant Infus Nest. Um, and uh Which is not the name of like a nursery, Infant's Nest. <laughs> right. Um I like the idea of like she's working for the rebellion and kind of trying to manipulate yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 sort of criminal underground to her will and then you have dryden voss who is working for the empire Mm -hmm. but the way he's working for the empire is he's actually trying to double cross his boss who's kind of working who's darth maul who's kind of working against the 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 empire like i like that idea of like a three-tiered right sort of like a triple cross almost but it's not no so it's just like okay right why um the 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 double crossing stuff is really bad in this movie. Yeah, and it's really poorly executed. Mm-hmm. That like the stuff that happens there is just boring. Yeah, and 
It doesn't feel like the like the movie's supposed to be climaxing there, but it yeah. does. We needed him to be a jerk in this movie. Like, he should have been really unlikable by the end. Mm -hmm. He should have been like how James Bond was at the end of Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he's like, the bitch is dead. Yeah. And he's kind of this emotionless killing machine. Right. And I don't even want them to necessarily kill Kira for that to happen. I would have liked him to see the betrayal happen. Yeah, because even... then it sets up a really interesting mm-hmm. sequel, actually, of like, oh, crap, like the woman I loved like betrayed me. And now she's like in it, you know, right. she's like a part of this. She's the new Dryden Voss, mm-hmm. essentially, which is like a big deal that Han Solo doesn't know about yeah. <laughs> at the end of the movie. Right. Because he's not in the same room as yeah, when this actually happened. on his way back to Lando or he yeah, he's on his way to rescue Chewie from mm-hmm. from Beckett. And he misses all of this. So this is information the main character doesn't even know and won't find out unless they make a sequel. So, (laughs) what? What? (laughs) I... Oh, what? I don't get that at all, man. Like, yeah. The whole movie gets wrestled away from Han Solo in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is his own movie. Yeah. So um, that's where I feel like the movie really falls flat on his face. But he learns how to shoot first. The important thing. Grown. That is also bad. I feel like there's one, two, I don't want to say unforgivable parts, but him getting his name the way he did was really bad. <laughs> that is awful. And then him shooting first. Come on, guys. I hate that meta crap. Yeah. That's so bad. Yeah. Once again, I feel like Gordon Miller would have made that work. Yeah, they could have. Because they, they do that meta crap really nicely. Yes. They, I mean, they've proved that in three of their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that was a holdover, too. I wonder if some of the... I wonder if the main checklist was, like, a holdover from... Like, I feel like all that was in the script. Mm-hmm. But I think the tone Gordon Miller would have approached that with is much different than the tone Howard would have approached that with. Agreed. And, yeah, so I, I don't really have any more thoughts about No, that, that pretty much sums it up. So, uh, so Mike, uh, what do you have to say? Final thoughts? Same shameless self-promotion? Uh, final thoughts? You could probably skip solo. Uh, this probably suffices. Yeah. Um, uh, shameless promotion. I have a book called The Aurora War. It's on Amazon. It gets, it's gotten good reviews. It's a fantasy adventure war lord of the rings e kind of novel um if you have any interest in the criticisms i make i try to go and apply them to the things that i write so if um you're interested in that check it out yeah uh i have a book coming out no i'm just kidding um (laughs) i am gonna be a guest on the keanu believe it podcast which is a keanu reeves podcast uh and uh i'm gonna be talking about the film permanent record which is his second movie maybe his third movie i have never seen it and it's really hard to find. Um, but I'm going to be on that. It's on talkfilmsociety.com. It's the second podcast I've done with them. Uh, Sam, uh, if you're listening to this, I forgot your last name. Sam Van Heron, I think, is your your name. Uh, he's the co-host of it. He actually, that's sort of his thing, is he does these sort of retrospective podcasts. He did a whole MCU one leading up to Infinity War. And he's doing this Keanu Reeves career retrospective leading up to, I believe it's the ju- release of John Wick Chapter 3. So... Um, he's just doing his whole career start to finish and uh i I love keanu reeves so um i'm really looking forward to it uh let's see what else there's some other stuff in the pipeline if you follow me on twitter you saw that i was supposed to announce a big project on my birthday which was may 26th which was this last weekend if you're listening to this the week this episode came out and if you follow me on twitter you also know that didn't happen but if you follow me on twitter you also know that that's because i've been having some health problems going on i'm mostly fine now 
Um, but I have some follow-up appointments and some sort of uh, what path do I have to take from here on out um, appointments and, and just sort of some life stuff. Uh, I'm also moving in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, so I just have some some life stuff that I need to figure out and get in place before I launch that other podcast. Not podcast. It's not going to be a podcast. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's not a cover-up, by the way. It's not a podcast. Um, before I launch this other project. And uh, hopefully you'll see it in July. Uh, I'm keeping it kind of close to the vest. So sorry you don't know what it is. But yeah, you'll see it this summer sometime. It's a massive undertaking. That is the most ill-advised thing I've ever done, which is why I need my life in order before I do it. Um, And then on our Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom episode, of course you know we're doing an episode on that. Um, We'll be joined by a guest co-host. Well, hopefully just a guest. Hopefully Michael come and talk about that movie with us. Lord help Um, me. Called uh, Lord and Miller aren't involved with that one, sir. Um. Uh, uh, by the name of Corey Tyndall, the former co-host of the Before and After Show. And the both of us have a very exciting announcement on that episode that I'll tease out uh, right now. So, um, yeah, tune in to that episode to hear sort of an exciting announcement of a new something that we're going to be collaborating on. And then uh, there's sort of a, if you like me and my writing, um, so that should give you a hint about what it is. Look for around the end of the month-ish with a kickoff date around the end of the month-ish announcement with a kickoff date of hopefully july 1st that that's my goal right now um you guys are getting into base jumping (laughs) sure nailed it (laughs) yep nailed it we're gonna do a base jumping podcast sweet um but yeah uh and that's all i have solo yeah you don't gotta bother with it you could just talk to someone who saw it and Mm. they'll be like hey you know how the Millennium Falcon is a thing? And you'll be like, yeah. And you'll, they'll be like, well, he gets it in this one. And then you'll be like, hey, you know how he got his name, last name Solo? How? Because he was all alone when he signed up. For the military. It's a real thing that happens in the movie, by the way. We didn't make that up. That's not yep. a joke. That's real life. Yeah, that's a real thing. Holy moly. All right. Well, until next time, we're the bad guys. And also... A fanboy knows a hater.